This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, however it applies. Um, good to be back. Um, if For those of you, as far as the Ultimate Crossover Series, I had some hesitation with it. I just didn't like the entire ideas around it. I, I wish we had a, a chance to research it more. Um, there'll be some more shows like that. I don't know necessarily if it's going to be a week thing, but it should be maybe like a, you know, a post combine thing, you know, pre free agency, post free agency, um, draft, obviously. Um, but I did have a good time talking with the other guys, uh, you know, Chris Carter, Kevin Ostriker, uh, Jake Liskow, and obviously Joe, uh, Goodberry, uh, over those guys over at Lockdown, uh, Bengals, Joe Goodberry's fantastic. It was fun just kind of getting together and some of the most fun stuff obviously didn't make it on there because, well, I mean, some of the bad stuff did, but busting each other's chops wasn't a bad time. Hope you all enjoyed it. But, you know, like we talked about in January, we were kind of behind the eight ball as it was um, with everything that got on and the long head coaching search, the long general manager search. So we're getting back to normalcy here and um, thrilled for it. We got a lot going on here. I mean, combine is a hell of a lot closer than anybody thinks it is. Um, we got, you know, pre-combine drafts to get into, pre-combine stuff to get into, all that stuff with Pete Smith. We got some. Browns news, loose ends to tie up here. So from SI.com, Browns maven, uh, Pete Smith, your host, Jeff Lloyd, your local experts on the biggest stories, all things Cleveland Browns-wise, for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pam. Pete, uh, a minute or two here, uh, you know, kind of, you know, you here just working in, you know, silence and just through words here. Before we get into Peters, before we get into Gregson, anything going on this week that Pete Smith needs to get off the chest? Uh, I don't think so. Pete says, says this, and he'll be on, uh, doing 65 down to 35 mile on a road here in about two minutes. Um, the Scott Peters hire I liked. Um, and the thing I, I like about this, Pete, is this is useful. And you know, to say he's just an assistant line head coach. But this is useful everywhere. It's useful with wide receivers, defensive backs. It's useful at the tight end position. It's useful, obviously, with the offensive line and defensive line. This is something, and I know, Pete, and you, obviously, we've talked with draft prospects over the years. We've talked with guys trying to refine their games over the years. This is something people look into, whether it's boxing, whether it's MMA. This is stuff guys want to do. Everyone is always looking for a new way to hone their craft. And the other thing is you're always looking for something different, you know, to basically rejuvenate you to go work out. You know, what's going to be different about it today, you know, where, hey, I'm enjoying this. And, you know, it might be something where you do it for three, four weeks, you know, as part of your off-season session. But you're always looking for something to stimulate, A, your body, but also stimulate your mind into going into different workouts and just being the best you can be and being the best you can be ready to go and compete. Uh, so his path is interesting. Uh, he's a former center and guard who's in the Super Bowl, his final year, uh, the Super Bowl Arizona went to, um, he's, you know, the fact he's a jujitsu world champion, um, fascinating. And then you know, he, he's done this stuff with tip of the spear, which is also interesting. Um, you know, he's knows Bill Callahan through Jim McNally. Um, there's certainly a lot of things that can be useful out of this, particularly as it, as it applies to like things like leverage. Um, you know, depending on how you talk to, they're not super 
concerned about hand placement while others are, you know, you know, very, very passionate about it um, when it comes to offensive linemen. Um, so, uh, look, it's one of those things where particularly if the Browns go very young and you can sort of teach uh, these young guys things that help them make that transition to the league and become very good, um, I'm hoping the presence of Bill Callahan avoids it becoming sort of a gimmick where, you know, you get so caught up in this, you're not working on the things maybe you should be. But I think, you know, in certain respects, certain little uh, pieces, parts, it can be really useful. And, and I'm hoping the Browns can find that right balance where they're, again, this is another place where they're sort of innovating um, with a guy like him. Uh, he has obviously worked with athletes. Uh, he's trained uh, MMA fighters and, and worked with people through his typical spear thing, but this is his first coaching job. So I have no doubt there's going to be people who are uh, skeptical of every, with, with what they're doing and, and see where all this can go wrong and, and certainly possible that way. But um, I think particularly because he's the assistant, it's sort of interesting and his approach anyway, it, it just, you know, sort of his quotes about it is sort of, a little bit of a, just trying to give them, uh, you know, see, showing them some things and seeing if they can pick up some stuff and add it to what they're doing. Could be interesting. It could be interesting. Um, I, I do like the fact that, you know, maybe, look, it, it's not the be-all, end-all. At the end of the day, there's still football. But, you know, as far as, you know, striking and, you know, hand extension and getting the firmest and your strongest pop that you can get, it's not a terrible idea to have something, somebody in-house to go with all of this stuff. And obviously with the hand fighting between wide receivers and defensive backs, that type of thing, you know, and, you know, anything you can do to maybe get any possible level to get these tight ends to whoever's going to be here of the crop that's currently here. Blockers, uh, hopefully, you know, that can be aided there. And plus you have a first-time tight end coach. So it's something where maybe that could be of some assistance as well. Um, Pete, no surprise to anybody. And obviously, as he, you know, heads on, obviously, you know, a couple of continents over to go ahead and do good work. Um, but to just know that the Miles Garrett situation, look, it's over with. It's He's here. He's eligible. Um, you know, and even the league. I mean, the whole thing when he was going back to meet, it really seemed, you know, just like super artificial because – Miles Garrett is a guy who's going to do what you ask him to do. Um, and so it was just, you know, okay. And well, he met with the, uh, you know, commissioner and, and Brown's announced what 36 hours later, you know, that he was back, but the situation is behind him. And I mean, there's a lot of things, you know, I'm not a betting guy, Pete, but there are a lot of things. There are a few things I, I would bet the world on. I will bet the world on. We won't ever have to worry about a mild get miles Garrett on field incident other than a penalty. As long as his career goes on. Um, yeah, and I don't know how much the interview sort of, uh, pushed him into sort of talking in terms of the, you know, what was said. I, I have to think that was a big push, big point for ESPN to do this, that they had to sort of get that. Um, the stuff that was way more interesting to me was, and obviously was something that was brought up quite a bit by you know, Twitter and, and other things is, is this whole business of the audio and where it was and, and why it had seemingly just vanished despite the fact it's a nationally televised game and, and all of the cameras and, and all these things that should be able to pick this thing up that 
they're basically like, nope, no audio. And, 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 and you know, the, the story in so many ways was like buried uh, so quickly. You know, obviously it was talked about in terms of the act, but it was very, you know, quickly moved on from in terms of, you know, the, the what went into it. And, and, and I think in that respect, I think Garrett mentioning, you know, the, the specific uh, terminology used, it has forced people to sort of ask that question again. But I, I, the, between the NFL with the audio, but the bigger fiasco was the fact that this thing came up at all in terms of the racial component because this whole thing came up in a what was supposed to be a confidential meeting, and it seemed like it was 20 minutes uh, after the meeting that this thing was already out in, in, for the public. So that is something that has not been properly addressed. Uh, I don't know what the NFL has done, if anything. I doubt much of anything uh, to sort of alleviate, you know, fix that problem. But the whole thing was, you know, created by that and and betraying his confidence and everything else they made this into a story that really shouldn't have been one uh look do i believe it was said i do believe it was said um miles garrett a number one now still has no reason to continue to tell the story he is back in the nfl he is about 13 14 months away from signing an extremely lucrative deal Perhaps the highest paid defensive player deal in the history of the NFL. It's just the way it works. Um, guys, obviously, with years and the way things go on, guys get more money. He's about to sign the most lucrative defensive player deal ever. Um, so why would he have to lie? All of this is here. He's not getting those six game, game paychecks back. That's not going to happen. So why would he continue to tell a falsehood? I do believe Miles Garrett is a firm believer in change in the world in many in many aspects. He would like to see the world be a better place. Um, so, and look, I mean, and the fact that all these suspensions came down, I mean, we had these, what, what 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the afternoon the next day. This game ended, what, well after 11 o'clock on a Thursday night. And, you know, the NFL and this word and – the way it's kind of run and it's it, it's not close to where it needs to be. It's still not. I, I don't see any reason why he would freaking lie. He's not. Miles isn't a stupid guy. So, A number one, I don't think he would lie just for the sake of lying. He, it's not the type of man he is. It's not the way he's ever represented himself. All of it, you know, and anyone who wants to believe that he's lying, it's fine. But it, it says it, it is a complete polar opposite of the man he is for him to continue with what some people are going to term that he's lying about. It just doesn't add up knowing this guy and reading everything about him and listen to every word he says, like we do. None of it makes any freaking sense. It doesn't make any sense that he would lie about this. Well, uh, you know, I I did sort of take note of how he presented himself in the interview. Obviously, wore the glasses, made himself look very sort of professorial and all that. Um, that was sort of my cynical look at it. But, yeah, I mean, uh, he's a very thoughtful guy. I, you know, I, there's nothing in him that suggests there's a wire that's, you know, the, 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 that's loose that would suggest it. There's nothing uh, in his career that would suggest 
anything like this without some uh, something pushing him to do it. So I'm inclined to believe him. I, you know, I, I I don't like how Mason Rule handled it, uh, and certainly I'm I'm more inclined to believe Garrett because I like Garrett and I don't like Mason Rule. But um, it's hard for me to say that that his explanation doesn't make more sense than 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 what uh, was presented by Rudolph. It, it just seems more realistic to go with that version of events. But again, to me, I think it's less about that um, than it is the NFL's bungling of this whole thing. And look, I mean, and I could, and another thing I'll bet on, I'm going to tell you right now, somebody's got audio of this somewhere. There ain't no doubt about it. Um, and remember the whole thing, and I go back to the Ray Rice and look, not calling out a franchise, calling out anybody here. But remember the NFL? Oh, well, we called the casino. We couldn't get any of the footage. TMZ got the footage in five freaking minutes. So you're the NFL. You're the most powerful sports league there is. You couldn't get it, but somehow TMZ did. Um, so, you know, yeah. the NFL chooses what? to poke the fires they choose to poke. The, they, had, the NFL better be sure about this, that, that one of those type of websites or something doesn't come up with it, because if somehow, some way, Audio comes out and it confirms what was said. You got it. You got. You got it. You got a player base. You got seventy-five percent of your employees pissed off. Well, I mean, there, there's that. There's the, the the fact that you know it would be just a public nightmare uh, that you you have what was you know a, an attempted cover up that went wrong. So uh, they have to hope that 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 they're a hundred percent. If it's buried, uh, they right better hope ev- exactly every nook yeah. and cranny of it is buried, and then they burned it after it was buried. No doubt, no doubt. We're gonna roll on through here on Locked On Browns. Obviously, good getting back here with Pete. Uh, rolling on through here, uh, Zabo Apparel. Uh, look, guys, Valentine's Day last opportunity here. I don't know if the promo code still exists, but even still, their apparel is fantastic. Craig and his family, uh, wonderful people. They put out a fantastic product. Um, it's not rushed to print. It's stuff because they follow the Browns. They are deep-rooted fans. Really appreciative of the players. Really appreciative of the team. They take their time and go through the thought price process before they put stuff out. You're looking for apparel. Apparel. Zabo Apparel. S-Z-A-B-O dot com. Zabo Apparel on Twitter. At Zabo Apparel. Go ahead. Check them out. Uh, I love the folks. I love the product quality stands up to wash you need somebody you're looking for gear sorry you need a gift for somebody browns wise you're looking for gear zabo apparel is who i recommend pete i know this one i don't want to say it necessarily got your panties in a bunch but um kind of interesting where now the former mentor for one andrew barry in the annapolis colts and how long he's actually going to be here i'm not really sure ryan grigson again is now part of the cleveland browns um, to maybe work in an advisory role, of course. Um, but for, and for anybody who wants the football guy in the room, you've got that guy. Um, I, I guess the best way to describe his Colts GM run is as a roller coaster that maybe sometime the seatbelt wasn't always working. Uh, you know, I mean, for Browns fans, you're going to laugh forever over the Trent Richardson trade. But, uh, you know, Pete, for those who wanted the football guy, he's here. 
other than the fact he's a giant human being, I don't know what more. I mean, is, is, is he got anything left at 47? Because we could throw him on the offensive line, which would help. I mean, I'm sure the playing contract would be cheap, but go ahead. Yeah, I don't know what makes him a football guy. Uh, look, he, he hit, he, he was lucky enough to take over uh, when the Colts had the pick, first pick in the draft and got Andrew Luck. Um, and then he picked T.Y. that year. Uh, and, you know, was able to to have some early success with that, was well-regarded, and from then on, uh, his the, the drafts went were, got much worse, obviously made some, some, some bad moves, and uh, some of those things. Uh, and then there were some power struggles. He's reportedly very abrasive. Uh, dealing with other people in a work environment, uh, and and there were some just all kinds of you know issues in in Jim Ursay's Colts organization before he you know before he got removed um, and were re- re- fired. And then uh, he was with the Browns for a minute as a consultant. He's been consulting for the Seahawks the last couple of years, and now he's back consulting for the Browns. Andrew Barry knows him from the Colts and seems to value his opinion. Um, I, I'm not a fan of Ryan Grigson. I didn't like him the first time he's here. I don't know what he really offers uh, to this equation. I mean, you're basically hoping that he's learned from his many, many mistakes. Uh, so I don't know entirely what he's, what he is doing or what, you know, the, the, the very general, consultant role he doesn't have a real title whether that's because you know he's just basically here to help while they you know because they don't have a director of pro personnel they don't have a director of college scouting and they don't have an assistant gm the way they did because all those guys were gone after after barry took over and then you know when they essentially set up their own front office that he will be gone or if they intend to hire him you know when they name their their front office i don't know barry seems to value his opinion in a way I do not. Um, so, you know, this is, it's, it's one of the things where you basically have to hope that uh, Barry, you know, has enough sense to listen to him when he, when he makes a good suggestion and ignore him when he doesn't, uh, that remains to be seen. But uh, the early script for, you know, when things go right, uh, will be that it was a berry pick, and when things go wrong, you listen to Grigson. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I just, I don't like this. I, I understand it's, it, it fits in their plan of alignment. It fits in their plan of getting different perspectives. I just wish they got somebody like a Scott McLuhan or somebody who, who has a, a much better reputation when it comes to evaluating talent. Again, they, they you know, he, he values his opinion, so we'll see. But I'm just not. I'm not there with this with this hire. Oh, Pete, I mean, they could ask us. I mean, we'd probably cost a lot less. I mean, you know, a couple of video chats a couple of times a day. That's all it would really take. I mean, you know, it's not, not asking for much, you know. I mean, you know, and the other thing is, is, you know, draft tackles. Don't sign them. <laughs> Don't chase down. Free agent tackles who were run-of-the-mill guys um, have the stones to go out and say, these are my guys, and guess what? If you fail and you swing and you miss, yeah, it's going to cost you your job. It's, you're playing in the big leagues. It's just the way it goes. 
Scared money does not make money. Pete, we're starting to see the first round of you know roster cuts here. And you know, obviously with a lot of these guys, it's you know, going in another direction. You don't fit uh your age, your play, your money, a lot of it. Uh Josh Norman, Tony Jefferson, there's others. Um, Josh Norman, no. Um, for me, Tony Jefferson is interesting, and everybody I said maybe, and everybody, oh, 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 oh. no, well, here's the thing. Um, you tell you get Tony Jefferson on one year, two million dollars, incentive based deal. You need safeties in the building, in the room. Um, who knows how it's gonna work out with Murray? Who knows how it's going to work out with Burris? And but until it does, it's okay to talk about some of these names. He's a name. Um, obviously, last year wasn't very good. The uh, first two years in Baltimore were not bad. It, you know, basically in line with any safety play you had the last couple of years. Go ahead, Pete. Um, I don't like any of the guys that were sort of cut. Uh, Tony Jefferson basically told the Browns to stick it uh, a couple of years ago when he signed with the Ravens. They offered more money, and he was like, I want to go play for a winner. Uh, and that's not, never going to be the Browns. Um, you know, the, Josh Norman is, is not anything the Browns need to mess with. Paul Richardson's kind of interesting, I guess. Um, that's one of those where you'd have to take sort of a, a flyer type contract on it, uh, heavily incentivized, uh, because he has had issues with, with staying healthy, but he does have some ability. He can do some things. It just hasn't hasn't really clicked yet um so i mean i you know i'm i'm still looking at i mean there are there's some free agents that interest me but uh i'm more you know for the time being it's about can you get showbert under contract can you get um you know a guy like justin burris signed or eric murray i think i think the browns have to make a bigger splash in terms of a safety free safety but I think they can really do a nice job of filling up their room with guys um, that can contribute and were here recently. Um, they may go a different direction on that front, but just I thought some of those guys were really beneficial and they probably won't cost a ton of money. So those guys are interesting. They're, they're just, at least for the moment, it, I don't expect anyone to get released. It's going to be terribly interesting uh, to the Browns. It's possible that uh, somebody will get let go that could be of interest. I, I just don't know if there's anything that really stands out that, that makes a lot of sense as far as like a cap casualty type deal. Um, here's one name that I keep getting fed, and obviously everybody wants to tie the San Francisco 49ers, you know, with obviously Woods being there. Jimmy Ward. Um, and, and Jimmy Ward, it was weird because he kind of played – he didn't – I mean, it was a corner coming out. Didn't play a lot of free safety with San Francisco. Kind of played more like a, you know, like a round the line box safety. He's tiny. He's thin in that respect. Uh, no, I, I'm not in on Jimmy Ward. Well, he has, he hasn't stayed healthy for one thing, and and it you know if his contract is anything, you know all that expensive, I'm I'm just not interested. Uh, again, uh, if if I can. You know, the guy I, I think the Browns are going to make a run at is, is Anthony Harris. Uh, obviously, just played with the Vikings this year, and the, the Vikings are a cap nightmare. Um, that's the guy that makes the most sense to me. Obviously, they could go after uh, Justin Simmons. 
though that could get really expensive uh, if he gets out of Denver. Um, but uh, Anthony Harris, if, if familiarity is important to him, obviously he's got a lot of it uh, if he was to move to the Browns. But I think if you can get a guy like Anthony Harris, you can get guys, again, like Burris, or you know you can potentially draft somebody. Obviously, Antoine Winfield would be a lot of fun next to him. Um, but I, the free safety is way more important to me than strong. It doesn't mean the strong doesn't matter. It's just I don't see the point in breaking the bank for somebody that, that has had the issues Ward has had. He had a nice season. That's you know great. Um, I just I don't see it. And look, I mean, if we need a strong safety. I like my guy, Antoine Brooks, who's probably – look, he's still going way too early in these mock drafts. Um, guys with production like his should go higher because you want to know what? You have a role for them right away. You can play them on special teams. So there's that. Um, we'll get to some listener questions here. Uh, more coming. and Again, it's good. Um, I feel back in the familiar role here of what is the normalcy of the Electron Browns podcast. Uh, open pit barbecue if you're near. Vermilion, you're driving through Vermilion. Whatever you're looking for, barbecue. Go to Vermilion. Go ahead, check out Open Pit Barbecue. Um, buddy John Vaughn. Uh, John is a diehard Browns fan. Does one of the things there where we love talking Browns with each other. One of the things we love we love talking about is meat, cooking it, preparing it, smoking it, grilling it. John's got a passion for it. Does really well with his restaurant. Uh, puts together Browns themed specials for the week. If you're looking for good barbecue, looking for good taste, good flavor, let me ch- let me recommend Open Pit Barbecue in Vermilion. Go ahead, go in, stop on in, see John, tell him we sent you. Have yourself a good meal. Talk some Browns again. Open Pit Barbecue in Vermilion, my buddy John Vaughn. We're gonna hit up the questions here, Pete. We got we got a couple of good ones here, and this one's interesting actually. And so I'm gonna come to this one first here. Um, there's always the, you know, this guy isn't doing well here. My guy's not doing well here. So why don't we kind of switch it up? OJ Howard, David Ajoku. There obviously could be some change on the dollar involved. It's not a, it's not a terrible thought process though. Moving Najoku for OJ Howard does not make sense to me. Um, OJ Howard has not produced thus far um, for the Bucks. I know there are a lot of people who are insisting that a change of scenery would change things. And obviously, stylistically... But this was said about O.J. Howard at Alabama. This was the same... Like, there was a... If he was really that good, Nick Saban and his guys would have found him to get him the ball. But it's it's weird, like, because every now and then he has a flash, and then it goes back to normalcy. He's never... Like, David Njoku's had a lot more NFL success than him. But there's always that, you know, and again, if it didn't get done at Bama and Bama's not going to lose, not getting the ball to their best players, there's something with O.J. Howard play-wise that everybody just seems to get excited about. But, you know, the meal is okay, but there's no dessert afterwards. Um, Again, O.J. Howard fits what the Browns are doing. It's just – you're basically if if you're getting an OJ Howard, you're you're basically saying that tight end is not going to be a focal point of your passing game, and maybe you're okay with that. It, to be fair, that's not a focal point in the Vikings passing game. They produce a little bit, but they're not 
or at least weren't this past year, you know, overwhelming producers. The, the thing with Najoku is he's capable of doing it. Um, and he's shown it. Obviously, he missed it most of last year with the wrist injury, but the year before he was top 10 in receiving yards among tight ends in his second year. He's only going to be 24. To me, I, I think you you get him in here with with these coaches and you really work with him. And what makes it interesting, you know, people who don't like the hire of Drew uh, Petzos as the tight ends coach because he's a former receivers coach, that part of it may be very beneficial for Njoku in terms of just being a more nuanced route runner and those type of things. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, I understand why people would be interested in O.J. Howard. I might be interested in him in se- a separate deal, though it would probably be more expensive than I'd want to pay for it. Um, but uh, uh, if, if you're asking me who would I rather keep, I'd rather keep Njoku. He's 24. Um, they're obviously going to have to make a decision on his his uh, fifth-year option this year. But uh, the, the talent is there to really get something out of him that could really be beneficial within this offense and where they want to go. Well, I mean, for me, and the ideal one of this scenario is that, you know, Minnesota with, you know, what is a really, really difficult situation is finds a way that, you know, maybe Kyle Rudolph and that relationship can't go further anymore and they have to release him, which, you know, and I believe it's either a player option, team option, whatever, but that be, that would be, that would be ideal, Pete. Sorry, say that again. If Minnesota finds a way where Kyle Rudolph isn't part of the plan going further, that would be. Oh yeah, and there, there, there are people who have already been connecting those dots. Again, uh, uh, certainly makes sense for what they're doing. It, it might be ideal for Rudolph, though he might be more interested in, in other things. I, again, some of this entirely depends on how much of a relationship, uh, you know, these players had with Stefanski and Petzos and those type of guys, and how much they would like to keep that going. If they do then obviously there's an easy way to make that happen. The Vikings are up against it in terms of, you know, when, when they need to sort of blow this thing up. The problem is if they were going to do that, I, I don't think Mike Zimmer would be there. So I think everything suggests they're going to try like hell to keep this thing together and go for one last big run before they have to make a couple very, very difficult decisions with their team. So, you know, maybe they move on for Kyle Rudolph to to get some extra cap flex, flexibility, but I tend to doubt it. I think that they're going to try to hold on to him. But again, if he if he does get released, you know, he he's a a really really good top end tight end two or a low to mid tier tight end one. And you know, obviously, if you compare him up with a guy like Dejoku, you're certainly better off um, in terms of you know replacing a guy like. Uh, Demetrius Harris or, or, or upgrading that group. I, I'd be, I, you know, I'm kind of curious to see if, uh, you know, just how interested Stefanski and Barry would be for that reuniting that, or if they want to go, you know, sort of grab a guy out of this draft, you know, to sort of shape it. But uh, there, there are arguments for both sides. I certainly wouldn't hate it. Yeah, well, and but the thing is, though, and what we talked about is, look, you know, it's similar to the tackle position, tight ends, you know, good tight ends rarely hit free agency unless it's a scenario like this. Um, Again, you know, and this is what I wanted to get to Pete. Um, You know, we've been trying to tell you guys about the safety class, the tight end class. And then maybe with PFF puts it out there. um, Safety class is really low. 
I believe it was last tight end was second to last, Pete. Uh, I, it may have been. Uh, again, I think uh, the safety class to me just it just isn't there. Um, uh, there are some again. There are always guys you can find that fit, um, but that may be a real issue. And 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 again, like you know, you, there may be tight ends you really like in the class, but if they don't, if they get snatched up quickly or whatever, you're not going to chase value. You're basically going to try to grab things you know, when, when they fit. So I have no interest in chasing after safeties in this class. I just don't think they're worth it. Um, you know, if, again, if you find yourself in a situation where you can pick up Antoine Winfield Jr. and you love him and you're, you're happy with the medicals and you're going to put him at strong safety, again, I don't, think he's, I don't think he's a free safety. I think he could be really, really good, strong safety and do a lot of things really well at that position. But, uh, again, I, I want, you know, a truer free in the middle of the field. Uh, but uh, that's why I think free agency is a better path. Um, tight end, they can, they have more options. I think free agency in, in the draft. Again, they don't need a necessarily a frontline starter. They can sort of sit back and sort of let it come to them as they may. Or they, you know, they they may have some guys that are sort of off the board that they like that maybe other people aren't talking about. Uh, you know, small school or basketball transition guys or whatever. I don't know, but uh, yeah, look, again, I, my inclination is always going to be, look, you can always find players at positions that are good, but you're, you're better off playing sort of the numbers of the strengths. And obviously you have to play uh, where, where the board goes, but the, the, you play to the strengths of the draft. An offensive tackle is loaded. Wide receiver, you can almost pencil in number one every class. So to say it's the top position in this class, fine, but that's sort of a bullshit you know, cop out because every receiver class is fantastic. I mean, this this does have more talent than than some of the recent ones have, but there's no class where you can't find great receivers in every round of the draft. You know, basically stay away from round one just in general. But after that, you're you're set. But offensive tackle is loaded. I mean, it's just you know, obviously the top four are the story, and I think Josh Jones is going to be closer and closer to sort of – He's going to make that a five-man conversation, no doubt. Yeah, but, I mean, it, you know, whether, whether you know, if, if a guy like, um, you know, if, if if the kid from USC just tests out out, out, out of this world of the combine, maybe Austin Jackson. He, he convinces somebody uh, to take him higher. But I think Josh Jones is going to be do really, really well in that format too. But, I mean, like – the third, you know, the third round guys, like if Prince Segawinogo settles down there, or Matt Pert, or some of these guys, who I think are really, really Archie. good for zone teams, um, that they can, you know, that you can get a couple guys in those top three rounds and be very, very satisfied with what you get. I, I, I can't get away from the fact that you need to take uh, one with that first pick, whether it's at ten or you know moving down to get a guy like Josh Jones with some extra ammo. You know that that's fine, but just you got to get uh, this class is just loaded. I mean, you could make you could easily make the case that you should take three. I mean, th- there's that many guys, but I'm, I'm assuming they're going to come out with two uh, and, and go from there. Yeah, and it's look, uh, it, it, it fits. It, it, the needs fit what the draft brings, and while everybody else, and this one we get to here, while everybody else is fighting over other stuff. It should fall right in the line, and God forbid you say the mastic witch, Pete, 
of trying to trade down from 10. Oh, no, I got the horror. Um, Pete, Detroit, and we talked about this, the draft starts at three. Detroit, not only should they trade at a three, wherever they go from three, they should trade down again. Let everybody fight like hell for Tua Tagliavola. Let everybody fight like hell because it's probably going to be Carolina and most likely the Chargers fighting like hell for Justin Herbert. And Detroit can get themselves to six or seven, still walk out of this with Akuda or either one of the top defensive tackles. And it, look, you're Detroit. You're not moving Stafford. The money doesn't work in any way whatsoever. The only reason you would do it is to buy this coaching staff time. Look, if you sign on to be head coach of the Detroit Lions, you understand this is at best a two to three year gig unless you completely turn it around. How do you maybe turn it around? Having a bunch of young players and throw up a seven and nine season. So how do you do that? You trade out of three, go down to five, trade out of five, let everybody fight like hell to get the five, to jump each other for Herbert, which only makes it better for the Browns, where three quarterbacks possibly go in the top five or six picks. But if you're Detroit, don't trade down once. Trade down twice. Oh, I would be fascinated to see them do it. I know it would piss off a lot of Lions fans, which would certainly make me happy. I think they'd love to trade down once and then take a Kuda. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I mean, they can still little- get him. They can still get him at six or seven. Well, three quarterbacks going to top five picks. Why, why, why is anybody trading up from six to get to five? I mean, that's. You know, it, Why? Because be no, because Carolina is at seven. Yeah, I guess. But uh, sure, I, I'm 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 all for you know getting a whole bunch of picks and, and drafting assets that you can build a team with, uh, especially if you're a team like Detroit that just has so many holes to address. They've got some really strong spots that can be really good, but they have some real issues to address, and they could sort of revamp that team quickly that way and and. If, Matt Patricia can coach, uh, which is a question mark, then he could potentially come back quickly. I think by virtue of the fact that the Vikings have one more year in them like this, and the, the Packers are the Packers, and, and the Bears are you know, probably going to suck again, or at least be in the middle of the road, the Lions are sort of in a good spot to sort of take a quick dip you know, and then, and then rise up when the Vikings sort of have to retool and, you know, Aaron Rodgers is that much older, and the Bears may or may not have moved on from from uh, Mitch Trubisky, who's awful. So, yeah, I mean, I think the timing works out for them. I'm curious if they have the stones to do it. All right, I'm going to give you just a quick one here, Pete, and you give me the answer. We're getting light on time. Um, the quarterback to go challenge Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago is Marcus Mariota, Cam Newton, Those are the two choices, then Cam Newton. Um, the issue with Chicago, and this is why Deshaun Watson is not there, is they always try to get guys with arm strength. And obviously, Cam Newton is a major question mark on that front. Uh, it would, you know, in that sense, and so if Cam Newton can be Cam Newton, I think they will go with that. We go with that route. Um, if he can't, then then I think maybe Mariota makes more sense. The guy I wouldn't rule out simply because of his arm strength is James Winston. Um, just, you know, I, I don't know if uh, McCaskey would go that route uh, with with uh, his off the field. But if you're trying to get somebody who can quick and fight the ball to that win, uh, James Winston can certainly do that. Now, that may, may also not be popular given the amount of turnovers he has, but hey, 
Uh, he's got 2020 vision now, or 2015, or whatever. So maybe there's a way to sort of risk it. But again, I think anyone that's going to go after is going to be something you can freaking fire the football because that's generally what they do. Maybe that would be interesting. I just I'm inclined to think they'll 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 go a different way. No, I do agree with you there. And with this, folks, we got to put a bow on this. Make sure you're checking out everything over si.com. Browns Maven, obviously, that is, you know, uh, Pete's home here, all the work that he's putting out, at underscore Pete Smith on social media, on Twitter. Um, the show itself, at Lockdown Browns, all lowercase, always a follow-back account, at Jeff Lloyd underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.